0: We are in week number two for those of you that are not with us last week we're in week number two of a series titled breaking point in which we're examining the stories of four characters four scriptural characters characters in the bible both old testament and new testament who experienced what can only be described as breaking point moments in other words they went through seasons where they experienced failure doubt hurt weariness um, and they found themselves struggling initially to cope during these seasons but what is noteworthy about all these individuals, and, and and you know, these stories of overcoming is not limited to these four. There are so many examples in the scriptures of people who went through seasons of difficulty and challenge, and yet they came on the other side of those challenges, and it was not because somehow they found it within themselves to to overcome or to or to bring out the best within themselves to do what needed to be done every one of these individuals did one thing consistently and that was this that they turned over their struggles to god they, they cried out to him and they said father help me i'm in a season of, of difficulty of challenge of struggle i am hurt i am weary i am tired i am frustrated i am i am i am i am despaired i i, I feel overwhelmed i'm struggling god and they said god help me help me And the scripture shows us that God always comes through for those who call on His name. Bible promises that those that call on the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be what? Saved. Those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not a if, it's not a, there's no condition. God simply says we call on Him, He will rescue. He will come to our aid. And so we can be confident that no matter what season of difficulty we may be going through or have gone through in the past, or might go through in the future, we can be assured that God will always be with us. And that's what we see in, in, in the stories of these four individuals. They cried out to God. They said, God, have your way in my situation. Use this circumstance as difficult and as challenging as it may be to bring about your will, your purpose. But at the same time, they allowed God to work in them rather than give in to the pressure, to conform to the... The the choices of their of their time of the day and they said God I'm gonna let you have your way in my life in week one we looked at the story of Peter's what I call unfortunate denial of Christ Peter was an outspoken uh, supporter of of Jesus Um, many times he would vocally express his devotion to Jesus Uh, In fact at one point he told Jesus that even if all the other disciples abandoned him that he would never ever turn his back on Christ and yet hours later following him making this proclamation. Scripture says that uh, when he was confronted by by three sets of individuals over his uh, um, association with Jesus, what happened? He denied knowing Jesus. Uh, Scripture even uses the phrase he cursed and he swore that he did not know who Jesus was. And the thing was, what Peter did, why it may have come as a surprise to Peter, why? Because again, I think Peter in his heart of hearts truly was devoted to Jesus. He truly loved the Lord and he wanted to stand by Christ. Jesus knew what was gonna happen. But Jesus saw something in Peter that Peter needed to see himself. That unless Peter saw that in him, Peter would not recognize the need for him to then turn to the Lord and to rely on the Lord not on himself, in order to follow the Lord. And so from Peter's story, we see a very powerful truth illustrated that no matter what our past may look like, friends, no matter how checkered our past may be, No matter what you may have done, no matter the choices you've made, the experiences you've had, that you look back and you look back with a sense of shame or guilt or sadness. No matter what our past may look like, friends, when you and I cry to the Lord, we discover this: that God is ready to meet us in that place and point of need. There is not a person on the earth that is irredeemable. There is not a person on the earth who is a lost cause. I remember when I was in youth ministry years ago. uh, One of the—he's retired now. former NBA greats, Dennis Rodman, and I'm not sure if this was after he retired or why he was still playing, but somebody asked him a question about um, whether or not he ever saw himself as someone that God could ever forgive. And Dennis Rodman, just as plain as day, said in no no vague way, stated that he did not believe that God could ever forgive him that there was that you know when he looked at his life his background his story his history the things he's done that there is no way that God could ever forgive him and of course when i heard that when i heard that statement it broke my heart because i thought here's a guy who has written himself off the reality is is peter could have done the same thing he could have said you know when jesus needed me the most i denied him i didn't stand by him and there's no reason why i should continue following him but we see the grace of God at work in his life to not only restore peter but then also to give Peter the courage that he lacked within himself to boldly proclaim the gospel. There is not a person in this room that is irredeemable. If the enemy has been beating you over the head over and over and telling you that you are not good enough for God, that there is no way God can have mercy on you, that, that, that you, you cannot get it right, listen to me this morning, it is a life from the pit of hell. There is not a person who is irredeemable today. The blood of Jesus covers all. And, and, and I'm grateful for the blood of Jesus. I'm grateful that the grace of God is able to, to do what I cannot do. But, but here's, the, here's the reality, friends, that not only is the grace of God able to rescue the sinner, but the grace of God is what enables us to walk with strength and with courage, even as the Holy Spirit is working in us to, to help us become more and more like Christ. And so if we will always learn to see ourselves as a work in progress, not, not as, an, as, as an excuse to justify the, the shortcomings in our lives, But we see ourselves as a work in progress in the sense of God is working on me and I make myself available to him to work on me. We can have this assurance, friends, that that he will give us what we need to overcome sin in our lives. That we don't have to struggle. We don't have to keep, keep stumbling over the same things over and over again. Why? Because we are learning to operate in his strength and not in ours. So that's what we learned when we looked at Peter's story last week. Today we want to set our sights on the Old Testament character named Habakkuk. Habakkuk, the Bible tells us, was raised at a time, what was arguably the worst period in the history of the nation of Judah. I want to talk to you this morning about what we should do when we experience seasons of doubt in our walk with the Lord. Now, there's, the, the, reason, the, the, the reality is, is that every one of us at some point in our lives have experienced a, a time in our faith journey where we were trying to make sense of what was happening to us or around us. I remember when uh, 9-11 happened, the, the terrorist attacks on 9-11 took place. Churches were packed. Uh, I remember Bracewood, I mean, our sanctuary was filled, prayer chapel was filled, people coming and, and seeking God because there was, there was, we were facing an uncertain future. We didn't know what was going to happen next. We didn't know, even, even when there was talk about possibly going into war against these, these, these entities that had, 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 had perpetrated these attacks, we, we did not know what the future looked like and so naturally people were gravitating toward God and they were, they were wanting answers from God. And I remember back then hearing people make the statement that why would a good God allow such a thing to happen? That why would God let such a thing happen? And, and I'm sure that it wasn't just people who are outside of the faith that were asking these questions. I'm sure that even believers were probably asking these questions as well. God, I mean, this is what we know about you, and yet we see this happen. Why would it happen? Why would you allow this to happen? There's a lot of things that happen around us and to us that just do not make sense, and we struggle to make sense, to reconcile our beliefs with, what, with, with our experience. And I believe that it is in those times when we find ourselves struggling to make sense of, of, of the things that are happening to us that we tend to experience different types of emotions. Uh, most commonly, we experience bewilderment, be, bewilderment We experience confusion, surprise, disappointment, anger. We experience frustration. And yes, can I mention this morning that we also experience doubt. And of all those emotions, and there are probably many other ones that we could easily list this morning, but of all the emotions that we tend to experience when there is this tug of war, this fight raging between our confession and our experience, doubt, I believe, is the one that has the greatest potential um, to to bring about the greatest consequence in our lives depend on what we do with our doubt. What do we do with those questions that we have that we want to direct to God? And for this prophet, we're gonna see in just a moment this internal conflict that rages within his heart between what he believes about God on one end and what is happening to him and to his people. And the reality is, is that if Habakkuk had not handled this emotion of doubt properly, I truly believe that his faith in the Lord would have been broken. Because, again, it would have been very easy for him to look at what was happening and to say, God, if you are really good, you would not allow this to happen. If you are really good, you would not do this this way. And how many people have walked away from the faith because in their minds, God didn't meet their expectations. They thought there is no way that God can be who he says he is if he's allowing this to happen. And so it's important for us to know how to deal with those times when we fish. Face those kind of questions as well. Second Kings chapter twenty-three records the the events that were taking place uh, in in this season in Habakkuk's life. Bible tells us that following the tragic death of King Josiah, uh, Josiah was a great king, a king who loved God and who was instrumental in bringing reform to Judah. Following his death, his son Jehoiakim took over, and unlike his father, Jehoiakim. Bible says, did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. In fact, he was following in his grandfather Manasseh's footsteps. And Manasseh, it is well known in Jewish history that it was a man who did not care or regard god in any way and this this grandson took after his grandfather and because of his ungodly leadership and of course because he was leading the people of judah in rebelling against god the bible says that god after sending warning after warning after warning eventually pronounced judgment on the nation of judah and so for habakkuk as the prophet called by god to speak his warning and to speak uh to to call his people back to himself There was no question in his mind that that God was justified in his anger against Judah for her sin. But also, as far as Habakkuk was concerned, the people of of Judah rightly deserved God's punishment for their rebellion. So that was not the issue. But the issue that Habakkuk had, had to do with the type of people that God was using to bring judgment against Judah. That was Habakkuk's problem. And so I want us to read this morning in verse chapter 1 of Habakkuk, we're going to read verse 1 to verse 17. And I would encourage you, beyond today's service, beyond today's message, read the entire book of Habakkuk, only three chapters. It is quick reading, I assure you. You can read through it in literally 15, 20 minutes, quickly. Um, but just don't read it, just to read it. Read, read it several times over to get the gist of what's going on here, the dialogue between God and His prophet. But it's important for us to understand what Habakkuk was dealing with because it is the very same thing that we deal with when, again, like I said, we are going through this conflict between our experiences and our beliefs. This is what verse 1 says. Now, before I read, I want to quickly make a note. There are three sections to the text we're about to read. And it's important that you pay attention to these three sections because as I read, it may almost seem like one thought is blurring into another. I don't want you to be confused. I want you to pay attention to to kind of the flow of the conversation here. There's three sections that we're going to be reading about here. Number one, we're going to see in the first five verses, the prophet expresses desperation for God. Some people may say, well, he's expressing frustration with God. No, I choose to see that he's expressing desperation for God. Kind of like saying, God, where are you? God, I need you. That's kind of the tone that we see. In the next several verses, we're going to see him then rehearse God's judgment against the people of Judah. And then finally, Um, um, Habakkuk is going to voice his confusion regarding God's plan against His people. So beginning in verse 1 we read, the Bible says, The pronouncement which Habakkuk the prophet saw. How long, Lord, have I called for help, and you do not hear? I cry out to you, violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see disaster and make me look at destitution? Yes, devastation and violence are before me. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out confused. Verse 5, look among the nations, watch, be horrified, be frightened speechless. For I am accomplishing a work in your days. You would not believe it even if you were told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that grim and impetuous people, who march throughout the earth to take possession of dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrifying and feared. Their justice and authority originate with themselves. Their horses are faster than leopards, quicker than wolves in the evening. Their horsemen charge along. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping down to devour. All of them come for violence. Their horde of faces moves forward. They gather captives like sand. They make fun of kings and dignitaries are an object of laughter to them. They laugh at every fortress. They heap up dirt and capture it. Then they fly along like the wind and pass on. But they will be held guilty. They whose strength is their God. And then beginning in verse 12. Are you not from time everlasting? Lord, my God, my Holy One we will not die you lord have appointed them to deliver judgment and you o rock have destined them to punish your eyes are too pure to look at evil you cannot look at harm favorably why do you look favorably at those who deal treacherously why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous than they why have you made people like the fish of the sea like crawling things that have no ruler over them the Chaldeans bring all of them up with a hook, drag them away with their net, and gather them together in their fish and net. therefore, they rejoice and are joyful, therefore, they offer a sacrifice to their net and burn incense to their fish and net, because through these things their catch is large and their food is plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slay nations without sparing? So again, as, you, as I was reading, I hope you noticed those three sections I was talking about again. Habakkuk expressing his desperation for God. God responding, or Habakkuk responding then with with God's declaration of what he would do uh, in bringing judgment to the nation of Judah. And then finally Habakkuk expressing his struggle with what God is doing. Again, to to make sense of what Habakkuk's struggle is between embracing what he believed about God and making sense of what was happening to his people, I want us to focus specifically on verse 13. Verse 13 is where we you and I can understand Habakkuk's perspective, but but it's twofold. First, we're gonna see him express one perspective that deals with his view of who God is, God's character, God's nature. And then he's gonna express his interpretation of God's actions. So let's look at what Habakkuk first believed about God. Four things come to mind. Number one, Habakkuk believed that God is inherently pure and free from corruption. Habakkuk believed. That God is opposed to all wrongdoing. Habakkuk believed that God cannot associate with wrongdoing. And then Habakkuk believed, number four, that God will not excuse wrongdoing. Those four statements point to what Habakkuk initially said in the beginning of verse 13. He said, your eyes, God, are too pure to look at evil. And you cannot look favorably at harm. Habakkuk was saying to God, God, I know who you are. I know what you stand for. I know what you represent. I know that you're holy, you're righteous, you're perfect in all of your ways. That you will not condone evil because you are are holy and, and pure. And so when you see what Habakkuk expresses as his understanding of who God is and how God operates, then you can understand why Habakkuk is struggling with what God is doing here. Because in the next part of verse 13, he says this, Why then, in light of what I've just said about you, God, why are you now looking favorably at those who deal treacherously? That you are silent when the wicked are swallowing up those who are more righteous than they. This is what Habakkuk was saying to God. God, even though I believe that you're inherently pure, righteous, holy, you're free of corruption, you're opposed to wrongdoing, you do not associate with wrongdoing, you will not excuse wrongdoing, but yet, God, here's how I interpret what you are doing. I see you choosing evildoers to act on your behalf. God, I see you in choosing evildoers to act on your behalf. You are approving of their ungodly lifestyle. That you have turned a blind eye to their wicked reputation. And finally, I think this is the kicker. Habakkuk is saying to God, It is hard for us to see what's happening here and not think that you have abandoned your covenant with your people. Again, Habakkuk makes it clear, This is God, what I believe about you, what I believe you stand for. And then he sees what God is doing and he is confused. He is struggling to make sense of his beliefs versus his experience. And the reality is, is that just as Habakkuk went through this, we all go through that ourselves. I'm not the only one, I believe, that has had times where, where things are happening to you and you're saying to yourself, this does not make sense. God, this, 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 I, I, I wouldn't expect you to go to, 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 to take this approach. I wouldn't expect you to use this person or to use that person. This is what Habakkuk was essentially saying to God. And and the thing is, it's not that Habakkuk came to God and was saying, God, I no longer believe that you are who you say you are. Habakkuk was simply saying to God, God makes sense of what's happening. And, and and I think it's something that's important to note because as as we are growing in our relationship with the Lord, there are going to be times where we find ourselves unable to make sense of, of what we believe versus what's happening to us. And it's important for us to know this, friends, that that the fact that we are confused or that we struggle to reconcile those, those, those two perspectives does not come as a surprise to God. But what God would not want us to do in response is to simply throw in the towel and say, Well, God is not worth following. He's not worth believing. in, He's not worth trusting anymore because I don't understand Him. No, what God wants us to do is to come to Him and to say, God makes sense of what's happening in my life. Because this is exactly what Habakkuk did. There are many, as I said before, who will experience a similar scenario and will say, you know what? God is not worth following. For example, you might say, well, God, I've been praying about X, Y, and Z, and you've not answered. You don't love me. You don't care for me. What's the point of following you? We see that in other characters in the scripture who will will talk about instances where they looked at unbelievers and they said, God, what is the benefit of following you when those who are not following you are prospering better than those who are following you? And in their minds, it just does not make sense that those who are serving God are not doing as well as those who are not serving God. And again, the excuse could be, the the response could be to say, well, God, maybe following you is not worth it. But again, to me, to you, I said this morning, God says, God's desire is, and when we find ourselves experiencing those moments of doubt, when we question, God, what is happening to us, that we are to come to our Heavenly Father that we are to come to Him and we are to ask Him to make sense of us, of of what's happening. Why? Because His ways, His thoughts, His knowledge, His purview of what's happening is so much greater than ours. There's things about our situation, our circumstance that that we are not aware of and God is. And rather than throwing the towel and and suggest that God is not worth following, that we say, God help me make sense of what's happening. And sometimes, can I tell you this, and we're going to discover this in Habakkuk's story, God doesn't have to make sense of anything. God is not obligated to make sense of anything. What he asks us to simply do, whether it makes sense to us or not, is to trust. Everybody say trust. Because that's what faith is. When I say that I have faith in something, I don't don't wait for that person to have to prove themselves to me before I exercise that faith. I I take a chair and I say I have faith in in, in this furniture right here. I have faith in this this stool, then when I sit on it, it's going to hold my weight. But yet, I've never sat on it before. Right? There's an expectation that when I sit on it, it's gonna hold my weight. And so, even though I've never sat on this chair before, but because I, I trust that when I, when I sit on this chair, it's gonna hold my weight, what do I do? I sit. Even if I've never done it before. For many people, there, there, there's this assumption that God, because what you ask me to do, or what's happening around me does not align with what I expect of you, then following you is not worth it. And God says, no, that's the wrong approach. And this is what we see Habakkuk do. Let, let me break this down for you. The, the, the point I want to make to you this morning is this. When you look at Habakkuk's response to God, as he was trying to figure out what was, how to make sense of the struggle he was having, he reveals to us two things. And, and this, this is typically how we respond whenever stuff happens to us. When, when we find ourselves experiencing doubts about God, we, we, we usually respond in one of two ways. One, it's either we admit our need for clarity. Everybody say clarity. We admit our need for clarity, I don't understand, so help me understand. Help me figure out what you are doing. Help me see the value in this step that you are taking or this approach you are asking me to take. That's one response. The other response is to act on a flawed assumption about who God is based on an incomplete perspective of God. See, here's the thing. No matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, there is so much more about God that you still do not understand. And it's, it's not an issue of time. Even if we had a thousand years, it would never be enough for us to be able to figure God out. God is so infinitely wiser and greater than you and I ever could be. And it is this infinite God that invites you and I to relationship with Him and says that there are going to be things that are going to happen in, your, in, your, in the journey of your faith and with me that's not going to make sense. Don't make your judgment call about who I am based on what's happening around you. Just simply trust me. And I believe this is what Habakkuk had to learn. That even though God was using a, a, a pagan culture, a culture that did not regard God themselves, that, that, that even then, Isaac, Habakkuk had to see that God was, even, was still then being righteous in everything that he was doing. Why? Because again, if Habakkuk had chosen to, to act on a flawed conclusion about God, and decided that God was not worth following then Habakkuk would have abandoned his faith But Habakkuk didn't do that. What he did instead was he said God Clearly, I don't understand what's happening Help me understand Help me to discern what it is that you are doing. Help me to discern What it is you seek to accomplish and, and we see God immediately answers the prophet beginning in chapter 2 in fact, Verse 1 of chapter 2, you're going to see Habakkuk essentially say, God, I've made my case. I've kind of laid the cards all on the table. God, I'm waiting for you to respond. What it tells us is this that our Heavenly Father wants us to come to Him with our struggles. He wants us to come to Him with our concerns, our worries, our fears, our anxieties. And He wants to answer. He wants to respond. Again, His answer may not be what we want to hear, but God will not be silent. God will respond. And at the end of the day his desire is that whether we fully embrace that response or not that we walk away saying god i trust you i'm going to trust you because this is what we see habakkuk do the lesson for you and i today is this that as we walk with the lord and as we grow to know him better and better there will come times in our lives when what is happening to us or around us is not lining up with what we believe about god in fact our experience might seem to be a contradiction what we believe about God. I remember when my my aunt, she passed away in 2008 from breast cancer and I remember you know you know leading up to her passing we were praying, 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 praying and we believed we were believing that God would heal her and yet God took her and I was angry I was angry you know sometimes you know you feel maybe I didn't pray hard enough or, or maybe maybe I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I could have done more or I could have sought the face of God more. And, and, and you begin to, because again, your expectation that God is going to heal her, God is going to heal her, God is going to heal her, and then God took her. And, 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 and you want to reconcile that in your mind. And God, make sense, help me make sense of what just, what just happened. In that moment, what I learned is, rather than expecting God to do what I thought or expected Him to do, That I just had to simply trust that whatever he chose to do was was righteous, was perfect. And the reality is even though my aunt is not with us physically, I know where she is. I know she's in heaven and I know that one day I will be there. I will be with her, I will see her again. In fact, she's in a place that I long to be I look forward to be someday because where she is is way better than where we are today. But in that moment when you're dealing with trying to reconcile your experience and what you believe about God... You, you, you're tempted to want a you want to define God by your experience that because you trust God then somehow God is obligated to do what you expect Him to do and it doesn't always work that way what, I, what Habakkuk teaches us is this that as we walk through that journey and as we experience those times where we feel doubt that God's desire is for us to see our doubt not as an excuse to walk away from Him but merely as a reflection of our limited view of His ways So that when we run to him for clarity and understanding, God then comes and ministers to us and he quiets that conflict within us so that you and I can depend on him more even when life just doesn't seem to make sense. Have you ever met somebody who is a believer but yet they're going from one crisis to another and yet they're full of joy? It's not because they've figured out what's going on, it's because they've made sense of what's happening in their lives. It's because they've learned to trust God who knows greater than they. And that's a lesson for us all today to learn to to trust God even when things don't make sense to us so in the time that I have left this morning I just want to give you three steps we can all adopt to bring our doubts to God so that he gives us a sense of peace about who he is so that so that our faith in him is strengthened we depend on him more no matter what is happening to us the first thing is we must be honest with God about our our doubts Be honest with Him. The fact of the matter is, whether you're honest with God or not, He knows. (laughs) He knows. But God wants us to to express to Him openly and honestly, to do so freely. I remember when I was growing up as a young kid going to Sunday school back in Nigeria. I remember one particular day, one of our teachers was teaching on faith. And she made a statement that scared me to death because she suggested, she implied, that if you ever have a question about God, it means you don't trust God. And, and for me as a kid, you know, I, I, was, I was interested in, in, you know, learn about God and, and learn about Jesus and, and learn about how he works in my life. And so, but the thing is, as, as, as one who was still growing up and still trying to make sense of this thing called faith and Christianity, I had questions. But I was so scared because of the statement that my teacher made that I wouldn't ask I I couldn't go to my parents to ask them, well, you know, the Bible says this, this, and this. What does that mean? Or what about when this scenario happens, but yet the Bible says this. How do I reconcile? I was afraid to ask those questions because somehow I was conditioned to think that if I ask, that I'm expressing doubts about God, that I don't believe in God. And I didn't want to appear that I didn't believe in God, so I kept them to myself. But but the, the reality is God wants us to be honest and open about our struggles. This is one of the reasons why I love Christian education. If you're not a part of a Christian education group, you are missing out on something important. Because discipleship happens not in here, it happens in the classroom, it happens in groups, it happens in relationship with each other where we can study God's Word together. We share our perspectives, our experiences, what God has done in my life. I can encourage you, you can encourage me. We sharpen each other's lives. We talk about our journey with the Lord. We, we are able to stand with each other, pray for each other, support one another. It is so important for us to realize that that in in the context of being able to grow in our relationship with the Lord, to grow in our dependence on the Lord, that it happens when we are open and honest, not only with ourselves, but we're open and honest with God. So when you have struggles and when you have questions and you have doubts and you begin to say, God, why me? God, why now? God, why this way? God, why not this way? God wants you to be honest with Him. Come to Him. But the key has to be that you're not coming to Him because you're looking for an excuse to walk away from Him. You come to him because you want him to make sense of what is happening. And believe you me, friends, that when you do so, God will bring that peace that you seek. But God wants us to be honest with him about our doubts. But not only do we be honest with him, but we need to embrace doubt as an opportunity to fortify our reliance on God. And I, I remember the story of the character in the scripture in the New Testament that he encountered Jesus. And, and he said, his response to Jesus was, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. He acknowledged that there's still areas of my life where I'm still not able to, in my mind, make sense of, of, of what you ask asking me to do. The call that you're, the, 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 the invitation that you're making to me to follow you. Help me to respond to you as I should. When, 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 when we see doubt as an opportunity to, to grow in our faith in the Lord, our relationship with God, rather than as an excuse to walk away from God, we are giving God the freedom to work in us and to begin to teach us and begin to reveal the things to us that are, are not so obvious in the flesh. How many times in my own walk with the Lord that, that I find myself trying to reconcile what, I'm, what I believe about God and what I'm experiencing in that moment, and I cry out to God in honesty and say, God, help me understand what's happening, and, 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 I, be, and I believe God, you know, God comes into that situation, whether he uses a person or he uses a circumstance or situation, but that I walk away recognizing, God, you know what? I, I will know better than to, than to question you next time. I'll know better than to question your, 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 your love for me next time. I'll know better than to question your concern for me next time. What happens is my faith is strengthened. I, I, I've, I've learned through that experience to trust God more. And, and so I see those times of questioning as an opportunity for me to grow in my faith. You know, even as a pastor, sometimes there, there are times where I have to go seek another pastor and say, Hey, I need to talk to you about the X, Y, and Z. I'm, I'm struggling in this area. Why? Because I desire to grow in my connection with the Lord. I'm not, again, I'm not, it's not about looking for an excuse to walk away from our faith, but it's about a desire to grow closer to the Lord. So we must always see those questions, those seasons of questioning as an invitation to fortify our reliance on the Lord because we are coming to Him and asking Him to help us. And here's the last thing. We must commit to trusting God, uh, Trust, excuse me, in God's guidance regardless of the circumstance. Again, Habakkuk, when you, you, you discover this as you read, through, through uh, chapter 3 that God didn't necessarily um, come to him and simply saying, well Habakkuk uh, or to justify in, in Habakkuk's mind or to uh, clarify for Habakkuk why he did what he did the way he did. Habakkuk just had to learn to just trust God. That God you are, you are, you are, you are a God of integrity, God you are, you are a God of righteousness and holiness and, you know, there are going to be some things that would just not make sense to me, humanly speaking, but I trust that because you are who you are, that whatever you're doing is going to be good. You and I have to learn to come to a place in our own walk with the Lord, where even when we don't have the answers to all the questions we have, that we trust God. Why? Because we know He is good. This is why Abraham is regarded the way he is, that, that he could pick up family and move to another place that he had never been to before. All simply because God told him to. Even when you know he was expecting God, he was, he was waiting on God's promise to make him a father of a great nation, Abraham didn't question God as to, okay God, when, God, how are you going to make it happen? Why not now? Abraham simply obeyed. And that's why the, the, the Bible says God regarded him with such great favor because Abraham was the man who he took God at his word. That, that, that is my prayer for myself. That God helped me to be such a, come to a, such a place where just because you say it, I will do it. That I don't have to have it clear. It doesn't have to make sense. But because you say it, I will do it. And I want to trust you with the outcome. You and I must learn to commit to trusting God's guidance regardless of the circumstance we're in. Because again, friends, listen to me when I say this to you. Doubt has the potential when it is handled improperly to cause us to walk away from our faith. There are many people who have walked away from the faith because... In their minds what was happening to them was a contradiction of what they believed about God and for them it simply meant that God was not worthy of trust and at no point in the scriptures do we see indicated and I know we can see this from personal experience that God has always come through in our lives that God has always shown us to be faithful and true in our lives we don't judge him based on the circumstances happening in our lives we, 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 we respond to him in spite of what is happening but we do so from a position of trust and dependence so so I don't know who here this morning may be maybe going through a season of you know, your life where you're going through some things and you, you find yourself even questioning God. You're questioning God's, God, God's concern for you, questioning God's care for you, questioning God's purpose for you. Be honest with him about those struggles. Allow him to give you the peace and clarity that you need. But trust him even if the answer still is not what you're expecting to hear. Why? Because the God that we put our life in, whose hands we put our lives in, friends, is a, a God that's worthy of our trust. He's a God that's worthy of, of our confidence. He's a God that's worthy of the faith that we place on Him. He will never lead us astray, because He is a righteous God. He will never lead us in the path that will lead us or bring us to unrighteousness. Yes, there's a lot of things that God does. You read in the scripture, a lot of things that God has done or God has instructed that that just just we struggle to embrace or to to understand. But we've learned to trust him. Why? Because he's God. He's God. Like you, I've had doubts. But again, they were because I just wanted God to make sense of what was happening to me. What was what was happening in my life. And I'm grateful that God is always willing and able and desires to step in and to, and to minister to us. So, so, whatever you're going through this morning, don't, don't give up. If, 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 if there's anything that you hear me say this morning, it's this. Do not give up. God is saying to you, I'm still with you. I'm still for you. I, I have great plans for you. I'm, I'm going to take care of you. Do not give up. Just trust me. Even when it doesn't make sense, trust me. Allow me to give you the peace that, 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 that you are seeking. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. That's what God is saying to us today. And, and I hope you will take that step and trust God. And allow Him to work in your life. As He did for Peter. As He did for Habakkuk. As he's done for so many people in the scriptures. As he's done for many people here this morning. He can do the same for you. If you would just simply trust Him. you cry out to Him. And allow Him to meet you at your place of point of need. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me this morning as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning for your word. You know, God, we, we look at many stories in the scriptures and we tend to we tend to gravitate toward those stories where we where we see a, a clear um, positively beneficial outcome for the character we read about. Not often alone we come across a character board. Uh, that goes through some of the things we go through, some of the emotions we feel, and yet, at the end of the day, discovers, Lord, that the point is not having his issue resolved, or his his circumstance changed or altered, but that, God, he walks away from his encounter with you, reminded, Lord, of the importance of just simply trusting you. God, in the face of doubt, I do believe that, 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 that the greatest Uh, The the greatest casualty, God, in in the face of doubt, or when it is handled improperly, is our level of our ability to trust you. And I believe that Satan does try to take advantage of those times when we are struggling to make sense of what's happening to us or around us, and, and what we know about you. And Satan wants us to believe that we don't have, we can't trust you anymore. We shouldn't place our trust in you. Help us, Lord, to resist the enemy's lies. Help us, Lord, to look to you, God, as the author and perfecter of our faith, as the builder of our faith. And help us, Lord, to rely fully and completely on you. God, I pray for whomever may be here today, who may be going through a struggle, a, a difficulty, a challenge, Lord, that they've tried to make sense of, Lord. They try to overcome, they've tried to resolve. And God, they they, they cannot. Lord, no answer. Father God, we seem to give them the peace that they are seeking. God, I pray that Lord they will look to you for first and foremost, Lord. And that God they will call on your name, Father. And that God, you will meet them in the place upon the need. Help them, Lord, to know that God, every promise that is that you've declared to us, Lord, Father God, they are true. And to them we we say, Amen. That we can stand on your word and be confident that, Lord, you are who you say you are. That you will do what you promised in your word you will do. And that those who put their trust in you will never be put to shame because they trust you fully. And that God will learn to just trust you. Even when life makes no sense, we trust you. And that God, we are not casualties of our doubts. But that God, our doubts become tools that you use to strengthen our faith we be a people, Father God, who demonstrate, Father, what it is like, Lord, to be transparent about our struggles, but that, God, we seek you because we know that you have the answer and that, God, you are able to meet us in our place upon need. So, God, I thank you. I thank you for meeting the needs of those who are going through a difficult time today. And I thank you for giving them peace that past all human understanding because they trust you today. And if there's anyone that is here this morning that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, God, I'm grateful, Father, that the greatest peace that we can ever have is is knowing that we are right with our Creator, and that, God, everything that was necessary, God, to make, Father God, peace with you possible, you have done through your Son, Jesus, when he died on the cross for our sins, Father, and that, God, when we acknowledge that his sacrifice was for us, was on our behalf to to make a way for us to know You, God, and we embrace Jesus, and we invite Him into our lives, and we make Him our Lord and our Savior, and we allow You to change us and to transform us, so that we can truly experience that peace that comes from knowing You, God. That whomever that may be today, that they would simply call on You, Father, in this moment, acknowledge that they are a sinner, Father, and ask You to forgive them, that God You will indeed forgive them, and that God You will change their lives. So again, Father, we thank You, Lord, we thank you, Father God, that on this journey of faith, Father God, you are walking with us, Lord. And you're teaching us, Lord, what it means to know you, to walk with you, to depend on you more. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen.